Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, April 4th, and today it's part two of our Team Needs plus NFL Draft Solutions series. Last week, we talked AFC Team Needs and Draft Solutions, so check that out if you missed it. Today, we're hitting the NFC, and to do that, I'm joined by Chrissy Freud and Kyle Dvorak. And guys, before we get started, it is the end of an era. Frank Gore hanging him up after 16 seasons. That news broke over the weekend, age 38. Last season, not included, guys. I, I found myself getting a little reflective, nostalgic here. This man has been in the NFL since 2005, which got me thinking. I was wondering, how have all of your lives changed since 2005? Chrissy, how is your life different uh, since 2005? Well, I was six years old, so I'd say that a lot <laughs> has changed. I'm not a child anymore, so lots, lots happened since then. Six, yeah, that, that's a decent one. I was, I think, eight or seven. Wow. So you probably threw this to like, like you needed to ask this to like Pat because like Pat would have been uh, Darty, not Crane, who also would have been relatively right. young. Darty would have had some like weird stories about like, would that have been like post-college days? I'm sorry, Pat, if this is insulting, but it'd been like, yeah, it was my first yeah. year out of college. I was looking for a job. And instead, like Chrissy and I are both like, right. yeah, I don't even know if like, what, like what's an eight-year-old <laughs> in like first grade? Like, I don't know. It's like still... <laughs> Still in diapers, I assume. It was a Lion King wow. era, if I'm not mistaken, was it? Sometime ballpark. Was that the Lion King era? Didn't that movie come out sometime around then? No, it had to be like late nineties, right? Yeah, it was before two thousand five. I was I was a sentient I was a very sentient being in two thousand five. <laughs> I have uh since two thousand five I was thinking about this. I think I've moved four times. I've had two kids and I've I went to seven Olympic games during Frank Gore's NFL career. So not as a competitor, as a writer. <laughs> uh oh, we were actually <laughs> concerned that we were like, oh, what did you compete in? We all thought that. Yeah, did, did Strep do skeleton or something <laughs> or what? Um, yeah, so uh, wild stuff. So you guys basically, I mean, your entire life, your, almost your whole life spans Frank Gore's career. Yeah, especially what you said about sentient life. Like that is like an important caveat. Yeah. Like I don't know what life was like in the late nineties. Like I was born in the nineties, but it doesn't make a right. make a real impact on my life, right? So most of right. my sentient life does kind of coincide with uh Frank Gore's uh NFL career. Wow. Like Frank wow. Gore, the most I remember about Frank Gore is waiting for Carlos Hyde to take his job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
and then waiting about 10 years from retire, which she never did um, until now. So, so anyhow, after that moment of reflection, I, I feel, okay, I've got some perspective on my life and on your life. So let's get started. And before we do, we should mention there's a written series. There will be the, or slash is a written series of team needs and draft options, draft solutions on NBC Sports Edge. Kyle, and you've written that. You're writing that along with Tyler Fornes, if I'm not mistaken, right? You want to tell us what's going on there? Yeah, that is correct. He knows so much more. Uh, so will Chrissy. So will most people know more about college football than I will, whereas I uh, unfortunately know so much about so many NFL teams, especially like the ones that really need players, which is where Tyler comes in and helps me break down each player's best fits in terms of, you know, the Seahawks. Do they need a quarterback? What kind of quarterback do they, uh, would they be looking for? And actually, it's something we'll probably be talking about today. So stuff like that where we have team fits married with someone who actually knows stuff about college football in Tyler trying to piece together stuff for the draft even for betting stuff like I think it's really useful just to kind of line up where players could fall for betting stuff or just for the passing NFL fan all right so basically today we're going to do the, the NFC version of this so we're going to kind of start with the team need first and then we'll kind of transition into the player and we're going to be quarterback and receiver heavy on this episode for the most part so let's start in Carolina the Panthers as we know have the number six pick and there's certainly more than a little bit of chatter that Malik Willis could be the guy for them at number six. So Kyle, for starters, how likely does that seem to you? And what are your thoughts on the fantasy fit for Willis if he does land in Carolina? Yeah. So the interesting thing is that you get a lot of uh, a lot of like over unders for player positions on like points bet, for instance. They don't have one. A right. lot of books. I don't know if any books have one from Malik Willis. And my lean is because it's almost like a binary outcome, right? Lions have, I think, reason to take him. I don't think they will, but kind of a reason to take him where they are at two. And then you move basically to Carolina, and that's it. Then there's kind of nebulous Steelers trade-off options, whereas someone like you know Trayvon Walker has probably got a pretty reasonable distribution. That's easy to put a number on, juice the sides how you want it, and that's how you put a line. You don't have that with Malik Willis, so I think that's why his line isn't up yet. I think the most likely outcome is that he goes to Carolina. Carolina, at his pro day, was one of just two teams. I believe Pittsburgh was the other one to send head coaches. They were also the only two teams to send head coach, offensive coordinator, and GM, which was pretty rare. They were the only teams to do all yeah. three. Pittsburgh, as we know, has pretty much made it a point year in, year out to say exactly who they want. And Carolina, now this offseason, spent the whole offseason signaling us that they want a new quarterback not much of a surprise given how Sam Darnold played. So if I had to bet, it'd be on Carolina taking him. I don't really see a team above them taking him. And I don't see a team trading up unless like Seattle wanted to jump the gun on that. I don't really think they're in a spot to be doing that though. Fantasy fit, like we've heard Matt Rule talk so much about wanting to run the football more, even though they were not particularly good at running the football last year. They didn't have Christian McCaffrey, so it makes somewhat mm -hmm. level of sense. But they don't also have like this mauling offensive line that's really going to set McCaffrey up for these great plays. You love McCaffrey because he catches passes, not because he's a Derrick Henry level runner, right? So like it's good that uh, that he will go to a spot where we expect him to, what is he going to like give up a game or two to Sam Darnold at most, and then he'll right. take over? Like That seems reasonable. It's good that he's probably starting all, I almost said 16, all 17 games, if not you know 15 or so. Yeah, That's the fantasy upside. The fantasy downside is they won the run the football. They're not a particularly creative offense, and they don't have a lot of, like they don't have a great line. I think DJ Moore is a great number one receiver. Beyond that, they don't have a great three. Terrence Marshall's a complete flop from last year. Robbie Anderson, good. So I'd say it's kind of a wash. You want your starting quarterback, you want your fantasy quarterback to start nearly the whole season, but do you want them to go play for Matt Rule? I, I don't think so. Right, right. Certainly not ideal. Um, Chrissy, assuming that Kyle's you know projection that let's say Malik Willis lands in Carolina and let's say he makes you know fifteen ish, fourteen and fifteen fifteen starts. I mean, from what you've seen from this guy, could you see him being a guy who makes a dent in terms of fantasy? Yeah, I think that if they're as reliant on him as some of us think that they might be and they do select him that he could be an early difference maker 
but I still have a lot of question marks surrounding him being a consistently good passer. Um, how much of a difference he's going to be able to make in the first year because of the transition from college to the NFL and all there's just a lot of question marks that surround him to me. And so if I'm picking a quarterback in fantasy, I'd much rather draft one early and go with somebody like Tom Brady or Joe Burrow. But like in terms of the rushing ability, Chrissy, like that's going to play at the pro level, right? Do we have any doubt about that? Do we have any concerns about that? No, I think that he brings to the table a really solid level of athleticism and he certainly can run the ball. But the only thing about that is the game changes a little bit at the next level. And we saw him doing a lot of running Mm -hmm. around behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm not sure how much he can do that in the NFL. And I mean, you can get hurt really easily doing that in the NFL too. So I'm going to be watching how that transition works and how much he can still do that at the NFL level. Yeah, that sounds very like Justin Fieldsy, where you love the running until he immediately right. run, like first play. Like the, the first game, I believe it was Browns, right? First game that he started was against the Browns. And everyone's like, oh, well, the Browns are like the chalk, uh, the chalk defense on DraftKings or whatever. And you're like, well, what if Justin Fields is really good as a rookie? And he could have been. Yeah. But man, watching him just run into sack after sack after sack. And it didn't stop with that Browns game. It just kept on going. That sounds very much what like Chris is describing in the Malik Will spec. Sure, the running is great. Like running is just the cheat code in fantasy. But it's yeah. going to, like we saw with Justin Fields, it will lead to some rough games. And some terrifying, man, did Justin Fields take a lot of terrifying hits as a rookie? Didn't he get lit up in the preseason once too really bad, like in his first game? It, so- it sounds right. I'm pretty sure that happened. I have so many visions of that guy taking hits that I was like, well, there his season's over now. And he he somehow dodged those. But so we kind of already addressed this a little bit, Kyle, as far as the Lions go. I mean, uh, would they dare? Would they dare uh, take Malik Willis at number two? It sounds like you're leaning toward that not happening. Yeah, I would bet against that happening in terms of like the median projection, right? But they're certainly in the conversation. We know they yeah. need a quarterback. Jared Goff isn't the answer. He's the perfect quarterback to evaluate the rest of your roster. We talked about it last week. You need to see how good Amon Ross St. Brown is. You need a quarterback who can at least get him the ball. But he's just a bridge to the future. He'll be on the roster this year. Obviously, they would have already cut him if they could have, but they didn't. He'll be on the roster this year and at best like under a reduced price next year. But I really think they'll just cut him. I still think the roster is pretty far away from competing, right? They have mm-hmm. a good line. They have at least one good receiver. DJ Chark's only on a one-year deal, so I won't count him as part of the future. But they need so much on defense. They need safety help, linebacker help, cornerbacks after Jeff Akuda doesn't really pan out and is hurt basically all of last year. Doesn't right. look like the answer. So I think, sure, they need a quarterback. But they need a quarterback in the next two to three years, and next year's quarterback class looks significantly better than this one. So if I am... A GM who can afford to lose for another year, which not all GMs can, not all, I don't think Dan Campbell can afford to lose another year with how much losing they did last year. But if you're trying to make optimal decisions over a five to 10 year window, I think they're a year out from taking quarterback. They could definitely pull the trigger. It's an eventual need. I don't think it's smart to make it a this year need, especially when you can just get an elite quarterback prospect next year. Malik Willis is an interesting high upside quarterback prospect but we're not talking about taking him at two because he falls in line with the previous twos it's because he's the best of week class chrissy a a two-parter here how do you like the hypothetical fit of malik willis in detroit and no we should know detroit also picks 32nd so there are any quarterbacks you've scouted that you like uh potentially to go to them there instead yeah i think there's been a lot of smoke surrounding the possibility of detroit taking malik willis at number two and i really can't see them taking anyone else unless you want to go high floor which is Kenny Pickett. And that's kind of the dilemma that we face is whether it is the Detroit Lions or the Carolina Panthers, one of those teams is expected to take a quarterback. This team is taking a direct bet on do you want the ceiling or do you want the floor? Because Kenny Pickett, highest floor, reasonable ceiling, but there's a very short gap in between there. 
And then Malik Willis, I think highest ceiling, lowest floor. I think he either becomes phenomenal, has really high upside, or he goes absolute bust. It's going to be one or the two. So I, I mean, I would see them picking either of those guys. And then what was the second part of the question again? The second part of the question was just, would you see them potentially, you know, targeting a quarterback at 32nd? And if so, are there any, any QBs you like for them there? Well, I think that that's not a good decision at that point. I think that this is going to be a defense-heavy draft for Detroit. But I think that if somebody's going to be available there, there are some people that seem to think that Matt Corral might be available. I'm not so sure about that. Or maybe someone like Desmond Ritter. But at that point, I think that it's better to just go uh, with another position. Yeah, that feels like a really passing the buck not only do you probably not get the upside like you take Malik Willis at two because you're like he could be like he could be an MVP he could be that like Lamar Jackson second year type of uh, explosion or whatever or he could bust but you don't gain that upside but you still force yourself into a quarterback for the next probably like most rookies are probably playing at least two years even if they're terrible so you still force yourself to work with a quarterback for the next two to three years that doesn't have the upside but still locks you in like that's like the worst of both worlds it's like the opposite of the middle of the Venn diagram, or at least it's the bad parts of the Venn diagram. So definitely two, two or bust, you know, two or next year, really. Yeah, it's like a conservative swing for the fences. It's it's like yeah, a swing yeah. for the warning track. I don't know what I don't know what the analogy is here. I don't like the whole weak quarterback class narrative though, because I feel okay. like there's gonna be one guy, at least one guy that absolutely pops in this class. And I I think that we see a lot of quarterbacks where Everyone has something missing, right? But everyone has, I think, at least solid foundational traits. A lot of them do. So I think we at least get a couple high-end backups, and there's going to be somebody that pops. Do you have a uh, a lean on, if it's not Willis, sounds like you're, like, mixed on Pickett? You know, I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment of, like, yeah, he looks like he's got all the all the trappings of a maybe starting quarterback. Like, can you see him being an MVP? I agree. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he's that high upside. Do you have a non-Willis Pickett? As far as my QB1 goes? Just anyone you think maybe is undervalued, especially by, uh, you know, like I totally, I've just been like, yeah, people say it's a weak quarterback class. I'll buy that. Do you have someone who <laughs> maybe defies the weak quarterback class narrative? Well, I think that Bailey Zappi is still severely underrated. And I think that he's going to at least be a reliable backup and may even have starting potential depending on how that shakes out. And then I think if Carson Strong is given a chance in a system that can help a pure pocket passer or one that at least has a substantial offensive line and some receivers that are worth something, there's no quarterback in this class that's more developed as a passer. So I think that that's something that's being passed off. And we kind of saw it last year with not necessarily the same situation, the same case, but look at Mac Jones. A lot of people at Mac Jones are like QB five goes to the Patriots and is doing extremely well. All right, let's move to Seattle where the Russell Wilson era is, of course, over. And what's left is apparently only Drew Locke. Uh, Kyle, are the Seahawks really planning to let Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf catch passes from Drew Locke this upcoming season? Is, is this is this where we're really headed? So I think that would be somewhat in the in the Lions-Texans vein of logical if you're like, sure, let Drew Locke fail for 17 games right. and then move on to a good, uh, good draft pick next year. Use your draft pick smartly this year at non-quarterback. But like... Pete Carroll, I believe he'll be 71 almost exactly as the season starts. He doesn't look 71. He really has a lot of energy for a man that is older than my grandparents. But I cannot see at 71 where he's like, let's enter a three-year rebuild. And in 2026, we'll be a Super Bowl contender again. So I do think that they are like itching to get someone that isn't Drew Locke under center. Even if maybe, again, that's not like the most optimal way to win over a five to ten year span. 
I really cannot see Pete Carroll just accepting what is almost certainly like a six. I think they're lined at like six or six and a half wins, a six or six and a half win season, six and a half win season, a six win season at 71 years old. I just can't. And his style, he would, I just can't imagine Pete Carroll committing to losing. It's just not like him. So I think, and no one, like, I can't imagine they believe Drew Locke is the answer either is the other part of that question. So I do think they're probably at least considering quarterback. I definitely think Malik Wills made it to them. They would probably take him. I, I don't think that's very likely though. I assume Pete Carroll is just assuming, based on what happened with Russell Wilson, that whatever quarterback they draft is just going to immediately pan out. They'll go, you know, eleven and six. That's what Pete Carroll thinks. He's been spoiled by the Russell Wilson situation, Christy. But what are your thoughts on this whole thing and possible draft solutions for Seattle when it comes to uh, potentially upgrading over Drew Locke? Yeah, I'm not sure that they're able to do that this year, and I'm not sure that they're even mm-hmm. going to have a chance at Willis, and maybe not even at Pickett depending on where they try to do this. And then also just the question marks surrounding which quarterbacks are going to be available when, I mean, there's guys that are projected to go in the first or second round that are also projected to go in the third or fourth round. Uh, So I think as far as if you want someone who is Russell Wilson-esque and these guys, I don't really think they're going to be immediate impact players, but I think that Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter have both shown shades of Russell Wilson in their game and could kind of yeah. come into the mix with some of that. But I'm not sure that I see Seattle going that direction either. I had Ritter written down if he somehow makes it somehow. It's very possible he makes it out of the first round. Like you said, with anyone who isn't really Pickett or Willis, and we see this every year, like you'll see someone throw like last year, Kellen Mond into the first round. You're like, that's that's no way that it happens, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know. Maybe it could happen. So with anyone that isn't like the locked in top two to three guys, uh, totally. Their range is like, Someone sneaks into the back end of the first round so they can tack that fifth-year option onto their contract or they fall all the way to, like, the third, fourth round. I had Ritter pegged as, like, a guy. I believe they have both 40 and 41 that they could take there. He seems to be, like, a sort of, uh, like, I I agree. It's kind of like Russell Wilson-esque where he's got legs, but it's not, like, the foundation of his game is built on running. So I think he could be, and, like, coaches just seem to absolutely love Ritter. I totally get that. So he seems like he'd be, like, a cultural fit the way that, like, we saw Pete Carroll, like, take his shirt off and flex with DK Metcalf when they got him or whatever. It seems like he could both be somewhat of a stylistic fit. No one's going to just match Russell Wilson out of the gate, but maybe that's where you project him to be and both a cultural fit as well. So I had him pegged if he makes it out of the first for them at 40 slash 41. Yeah, I had actually spoken to Desmond Ritter about if he would be perceived as maybe more of a Marcus Mariota type if he Mm -hmm. had played in more of a freewheeling offense that demanded some more mobility because you look at the Cincinnati offense didn't necessarily always demand that. And he said that he thought that maybe he could and that Mariota was someone that he had watched before. So I think that between his combine showing the athleticism, he said that he thought he really impressed there with that, that he could become someone who could slip more into that role and could be a lot more athletic and a lot more mobile even than we're giving him credit for now. Yeah, his athleticism combine blew me away. Like I knew he had like legs or whatever, but what four five two I believe was yeah. the official time. That's yeah. so crazy fast for like yeah. that's like a yeah. really good running back time for like a guy. He's like what six three or something. Like a guy of his size, that'd be a really good time for a running back. So I was I did not expect that. I expected a good you know a solid forty time, but that's like I think that's ninety seven percentile per player profile. It's it's some of the best you'll find for a quarterback. So why is it then, Chrissy, that we're talking about this as a guy who could go you know in the second round? I mean, what is it about Ritter that could potentially scare people off. What's not to like, I guess? Well, there was a lack of accuracy, I thought, and some inconsistencies as a passer that he showed throughout the season. He's been training with Jordan Palmer, and one of the probably half of our conversation when I talked to Desmond Ritter was about his fine-tuning lower body mechanics, finding more balance in the pocket, and trying to do things like that. And I think that his accuracy has gone up, and I think that he threw the ball really well in some of these off-season showcases. So if that progress holds true, 
then maybe he's a guy that emerges more than we thought he could on top of the fact that maybe he does have some of the best foundational traits despite looking lackluster at some points last year. But I mean, that's another conversation to have is how much does this offseason stuff mean? Because maybe they have taken a jump. There is some substance to offseason training, but it's also curious to me how Malik Willis has risen from like QB three or QB four up to almost a consensus QB one or QB two, because he suddenly discovered, Oh, I know how to throw the ball with touch now. And I did it for a combined, what five, somewhere between five to 10 days between the senior bowl and the combine. Yeah. I, I hate to like denigrate the work of a quarterback guru, but I really do feel like he was all, like, it was like, it's the James Winston in the NFL special every off season. He's really working on not making mistakes. And then he shows you that, well, the thousands of snaps he's put on film up until that point are going to give us so much more evidence of who he is as a player on the field than, you know, the reports of, oh, well, you know, I'm working on my footwork. Like that's, great but you were doing that last year and the year before so yeah I kind of really downweight the idea that like we can find something new from a quarterback just in the offseason okay we have more to hit some wide receiver talk coming up and some talk on the aforementioned Jameis Winston but first we're going to take a quick break Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The 2022 NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide is available now, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. Let's go to Philly now, where the Eagles have three picks in the top 20. That's 15, 16, and 19. We think they think that they have their quarterback in Jalen Hurts, Kyle. So what do you think the Eagles do with those three firsts? And do you think wide receiver becomes a priority even after they took Devontae Smith last year? Yeah, they it's, it's funny. They keep taking receivers. And for the most part, they haven't worked out very well outside right. of Devonta Smith, like the obvious, obvious bus and like J.J. Arcega Whiteside and uh, Jalen Rieger. Jalen Rieger, Despite yeah. the, the spend, you hope that they don't see the spend as sort of filling the quota of, well, we spent on receiver because you should really just be looking at what your team needs and are there players available, especially if it's like a position of importance, obviously, and there are players available to fit it. It looks like a good receiver class. I'd be interested to see how they view Devonta Smith because last year he was like almost perfectly split in where he was getting his targets deep middle and short and then really nothing behind the line of scrimmage which wasn't exactly how he's used in college which was interesting but it's so hard to evaluate like what you want to do with a player when like Devon Smith has to be everything outside of Dallas Goddard like you have no one else to catch passes so you don't have the luxury of maybe using him as that often targeted field stretcher if that's how you want to use his speed right so I still think they're probably best set up using him as the Z than playing like a larger uh, larger X receiver 
And I think there are maybe some options. The interesting thing is the guys who win in the short and intermediate are not these like, you don't find tons of big alphas these days. I feel like we're kind mm. of sort of moving past the days of Julio Jones and AJ Green. We haven't seen a ton of those prospects in a while. But I'd be interested to see if they want like a, like a Garrett Wilson or even if they want to look later. Sky Moore wins in those areas. He just doesn't have that size. He has like Antonio Brown size, but like he wins in those areas so well. This was uh, PFS Dwayne McFarland showing that like 65% of the routes that are run are like, you know, slants, hitches, stuff like that. And he was the highest yards per route run in the grouping of what I think he just called like NFL routes or something. It was a snappy way to pinch together all the ways NFL receivers are mostly making their bread. Highest yards per route run among FBSC, FBS receivers was Sky Moore. So be interesting to see. He's probably not in contention for them at 15, 16, 19, but I would like him as a fit opposite Devon Smith. Chrissy, you specialize in covering quarterbacks, but that obviously means watching a lot of wide receivers as well. Um, thinking about this Philadelphia team and some of the names Kyle mentioned or didn't mention, are there any receivers you especially like for Philly in that range where, where they will be picking? Yeah, how about the rise of Sky Moore, though? I think it's really interesting. I went from an under-the-radar guy to someone who has very much uh, proven himself, someone who'd be in the first round. Though I think he is going to go later than this. At 15 for Philadelphia, I like Drake London, guy with a really high football mm -hmm. IQ. And if you look at the USC team from this past year, he is easily one of the brightest spots and one of the only bright spots that they had and probably one of the only reasons why the Trojans found any success this past year. Yeah, he has like the perfect size to be opposite a very, a very like good plays above his size, Devon Smith. But like Smith is a very small receiver just in terms of his weight. He came in, I think, 100, under 180. So ideally, you probably want someone who is much bigger and, and Drake London is much bigger to just balance out like stylistic fits against different corners. So yeah, that's what I was thinking about. He's like one of the only big bodied receivers really looking at going in the like the first 20 picks or so. We kind of worry, though. Do we worry a little bit about... Uh, whatever kind of first round receiver goes to Philly that can that offense really fantasy wise Kyle support uh, three pass catchers like based on what we saw last year does that concern you at all yeah, it won't be the sexiest landing spot because we saw last year they spent, I think it was like six games as one of the, actually they had the least running back rush attempts in the NFL by a pretty considerable margin. And then that just like wasn't necessarily working. It wasn't like terrible, but it wasn't resulting in them like blowing out opponents. And instead they completely switched. Just like the most sudden philosophical shift you will ever find in the middle of a season. And they became the run heaviest team in the NFL by a pretty considerable margin from like week seven onward. Yeah, there's not going to be a ton of targets to go around. There's a good target share, but that's only... Uh, you know, the percentage of the pie. So it won't be the sexiest landing spot. I think Devonta Smith probably has the chops to lead his team in targets. He did really well in a very difficult spot last year. So you're looking at second, maybe even third on your team in targets. And it's a team that just wants to run the football. And when you have like good running backs, especially a good running quarterback, it's I, like, you know, analytics nerds among us will be like, yeah, you should probably just throw the football a ton. But I understand the rationale of letting them run the football a lot. They have a good line, good running quarterback. So no, this is not uh, like... It's not a, a sexy or exciting fantasy fit, and that, that's okay. Like we will probably adjust to that in our in our rookie drafts and our best ball drafts. It's perfectly fine that player can still be undervalued at the right price, but like no, it's it's not going to be a huge breakout from year one. I don't think. All right, let's go to the NFC South, where the Saints, uh, the Saints quarterback picture, I guess, has some clarity to some extent, right? Jameis Winston is back. They've added Andy Dalton, who says he does not expect to challenge Jameis Winston for the starting job. Do with that what you will. I guess Taysom Hill is going back to his kind of gadget role for now. Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this situation in a second, but Kyle, do you think the Saints here are better off with Jameis plus an early receiver in the draft? Or, I mean, could you could you envision them? It's hard to picture them now taking, you know, an early quarterback in this draft, right? Given what they've done this offseason. I think it's unlikely, but still interesting. Because, like, is, is Jameis really the long-term answer? He looked 
better last year, right? But they also were just giving him such limited passing volume that it's kind of hard to evaluate him based on everything we saw in Tampa Bay. It was, it was pretty similar Jameis stuff, the fun, exciting stuff, and then just like the incredibly mind-boggling bad interceptions. Like right. so fun, such a fun brand of football to watch. And they kind of deprived <laughs> us of that last year because they were just like, we're just going to keep running. And when you have a player that's as volatile as Jameis, it kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Like I can't see him as a long-term answer. And the fact that he got uh, like a two-year contract, quarterbacks who are the long-term answer, do not get two-year contracts in the NFL. So it's telling us they see him as like bridge plus and their cap situation is so bad. Even next year, they're still projected right now to be like 33 million over the cap that I think the thing that makes the most sense, and again, teams don't often like plan 10 years out as these grand schemes would be to have a rookie quarterback on the roster who can eventually like the the value of the rookie contract is so good for quarterbacks right. and it will help you get out of cap hell in two years or whatever it may be if he can take over as a starter i don't think it's awfully likely that they choose that route especially just like like you said they have now andy dalton like Ian book for what it's worth, although it's probably not worth much these days, but it's it's <laughs> roster spots taken up, right? And yeah. Taysom Hill is like a, a swing quarterback if that's such a thing. They say they're moving him back to tight end, but I assume if James got hurt, he'd probably move back to quarterback. So maybe they have, if they consider book kind of a, a sunk cost, which maybe you should, and then Taysom Hill is now officially a tight end per their words. Maybe that is the, the roster spot opening for a rookie quarterback. I think it would be smart. I, I'm not sure if it's what they do. But like I said, the Winston contract makes it seems like they know he's not like the long-term five-year answer. Chrissy, what are your thoughts on this whole uh, New Orleans quarterback situation? Like, let's say they do go the route that I was talking about and get a rookie quarterback on a roster. Is there anyone you like as a potential fit there? Yeah, I don't think they're going to do it early. And there's a lot for Winston to still continue working on as a pure passer. Mm -hmm. And he says that he's working on his intermediate accuracy this offseason, but we'll see um, how much that pans out. I think that Winston is a low ceiling player, very shaky, very inconsistent, uh, not my favorite quarterback for sure. I think if they go first round, Ritter or Corral is going to be your best option at that point. I don't think mm -hmm. that they do. I think that maybe if you go beyond Carson Strong is my number one quarterback, but he is not projected to be in the first round any longer. So maybe they have a chance to come pick him up later on. And this is a player who has been tied to them because Carson Strong did tell me at the senior bowl that he met with them, that the meeting went well. And then his coaches, people close to him, have told me that, that they've received several calls from the Saints. So whether or not it's just due diligence or not, there's definitely been some confirmed interest there. Just remind us what they would be getting if they did get Carson Strong in terms of, pro of the prospect. Well, you would get the best pure passer in the class, someone with a high football IQ, I think. And um, really, whenever it comes to, to mobility and stuff like that, I don't put a lot of emphasis on that. But I think that there was this narrative going around that he was a statue and he's shown mm -hmm. this offseason. And I think if he, even if you go back and look through the tape, especially early on at Nevada, that he can evade pressure. And if he absolutely has to carry the ball, he can. So I think if you're looking for someone who's refined throwing the ball, uh, someone who has a high floor with that type of stuff, I think that he's definitely the guy you want to go with. Best pure passer in the draft, Kyle, would probably be music to Saints fans' ears after the last season or so, post-Drew Brees, I'd imagine. I could go for not another season of Taysom Hill picking up like four starts at the end of the year. Yeah. And it makes sense too, because they have so much of like, like I was saying, the roster is financially tied down, but it also means they have a lot of good players they're paying a lot of money for. But they're uh, like, I don't think a lot of teams are win now. Like Washington keeps like thinking, convincing themselves like we're a Carson Wentz away from a real good playoff run. Like they're, they're probably not. The Saints actually somewhat are at least. They have a pretty solid roster enough so that if they get not a massive hit, but just a reasonable hit at quarterback, they probably are somewhat of a win now team. So I do think taking 
the high floor, like good passer style of quarterback in the draft, whether it be first round or not, makes more sense for them than it would for most teams. All right. Finally, we know another team that absolutely needs a wide receiver is the Packers after losing Devontae Adams. Let's play a little bit of Green Bay wide receiver matchmaker. Kyle, is there anyone you immediately like for Green Bay as a fit with Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, this is so difficult because with like a team like the Cowboys or a team like the Cardinals, who both pick after their first pick, Green Bay's first pick, that is, they have like more of a specific role to fill. Devontae Adams isn't a role. He is a unique beast right. of a player who can do so many different things. And they also lost MVS, which is not like a, a not to go underlooked because he does so much at least moving safeties deep and helping you get those Adams routes open. Not that he really needs help, but right. That's it's not just, we need the field stretcher, right? Well, you need the field stretcher. You need the guy who can pick up 180 targets a season. You just don't find those guys in the draft. Yeah. So I think it makes so much sense for them to take like it, arguably, I think it makes sense for them to take quarterbacks with both of their first round picks. I don't think they'll probably do that. I think Garrett Wilson, he doesn't quite have that. Like, like few players do. I said, we don't see these players as much anymore. Doesn't have prototypical X size, but he can move pretty much anywhere on the field. And that NFL routes thing I was telling you about from Dwayne McFarland, basically where receivers winning in the NFL, he was second in yards per route run on those routes in college specifically and playing at a higher level than sky more necessarily. So I think he makes some sense, but it really will just have to be. I also like Traylon Burks. I just think Traylon Burks is a really good analytical profile. But yeah. uh, I think this has to be a community effort from hopefully multiple draft picks. We could see a run. Uh, well, the potential is a, there's a few possibilities for receivers to be picked in the 22 range with the Packers, Cardinals, and the Cowboys at 23 and 24. Chrissy, uh, from your scouting, anyone Kyle mentioned or any wide receivers you like in that range in particular? Yeah, I mentioned how much I like Sky Moore and his ability to get yeah. through the tackles. I think that Jahan Dotson from Penn State showed some good route mm -hmm. running ability. And then we can't forget about Christian Watson, who I think could go relatively early on somewhere around the middle of this thing, possibly. Um, really big riser who made a really big statement despite playing in a really run-heavy offense with the Bison. So I think we saw just the tip of the iceberg of what he can do, and he's someone that I expect to really take off in the NFL. Yeah, I, I so even before Devontae Adams was traded, they were an obvious spot. They were losing MBS to free agency right. and like like they had to take make Randall Cobb take a pay cut because he's like not worth paying much more than the vet men. I had I had them as at least needing a a modest upgrade at receiver, probably losing MBS and just replacing him. And Christian Watson like looks like the perfect type of replacement for that like game breaking speed, while still not losing out on size either. So I had him written down as the MBS replacement. And uh, I still think I'd, like, I'd love to see like Sky Moore play with Aaron Rodgers, even though somehow like Aaron Rodgers would just find a way to be like, no, I don't like him. We're just going to give Alan Lazard 150 targets and it wouldn't go well. <laughs> All we need, we just need someone to have just, you know, an incredible skill set, an incredible ability to get open and a, a perfect mind meld with Aaron Rodgers. That should be easy to find, right? Like n no issues. And a great red zone weapon as well, literally playing like goal line back once a game, but as a wide receiver split out wide. No, just like fill all of those things and they should be fine. Yeah, and yeah, it's fine. You get a lot of options there. All right, guys, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review our show as well. And make sure you check out both Chrissy and Kyle's work on NBC Sports Edge, including the aforementioned NFC team needs and draft options that Kyle's writing with Tyler Fornis. want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Chrissy. Kyle, thanks to both of you guys. I'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.